Hello and welcome to Business, Barbells and Babies. This is the podcast where we will go far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Ro Hawley and I'm going to be sharing this time with you. We're going to be jumping into the real life shit, the struggles, the challenges, the real conversations that we need to have in order to not only navigate through the industry, but thrive and make a fucking killing. Let's have some fun. Hello, good morning here from Melbourne. Now, um, I am feeling a mixture of things right now because this is going to be quite literally the biggest podcast that I'm ever going to record. And I'm going to be talking about pretty much what's gone down the last almost seven years to get from and make the transition from being in a commercial gym as a sole trader um, to where I am today and having my own gym and my own team. So this is, I get so many questions about this. This is the topic that I get people contact me for the most. Ro, how have you been able to make that transition from good life to your own facility? And I'm like, oh God, uh, where do I even start? And like I've recorded this a couple of times now and I've had to hit stop on multiple times because it's just gone off of some really weird tangents because it's been like a very big reflective process as I've been going through the conversations that I'm having to a microphone that are then making me realize and make me stop and going, holy shit, this has been a quote unquote journey It's been a wild fucking ride. So I hope today through this episode that I can make it as clear and succinct as possible with the different timelines and the different take-homes of what was encountered at every stage to get where we are today. Um, And I hope that you can take from this episode some lessons and some thoughts to consider for where you're going, whatever your goals might be. So whether you want to open your own gym, whether you want to have a team um, or a combination, whatever, um, there's very much going to be, you know, lessons that will apply to all in the industry, um, regardless of whatever capacity you choose to work. So yeah, let's let's kind of jump into it. Um, So first up, I'll just give you a really brief summary of... um, like how I kind of got here to Australia. So me and my husband are from New Zealand and we arrived in Australia in 2012. Um, my background is in, uh, sorry, yeah, in my background I had done um, a Bachelor of Science and then a postgrad in science as well. So I was at university for like five years, I think. <laughs> and um, my husband had been, had been at university as well. And so the reason we decided to came, come over to Australia is because Um, I couldn't get a job in the field that I studied and my husband's um, study, he was studying through his work. He was working through the government. They had cut his funding for for future study for honors. And we were just like, we're in a position where we got nothing tying us down. We're really not happy with where we're at. Let's go and see what else is available in this world. And we didn't want to move to Auckland, New Zealand. So we decided to come over to Australia and um, my husband's brothers lived in good life. So we moved over in 2012 and we went and stayed with them straight up. And we then started to pursue getting a job. And I had previous to coming to Australia, I'd been working in a call center for a bank called BNZ. 
And um, it, I was doing that work because I used to work in a call center through university. And it's just, that was kind of a natural progression because I couldn't get a job in, in a laboratory. And anyway, so we came to Australia and I got in contact with the Australian equivalent of BNZ, which is NAB. And I ended up getting a job in a branch and it was actually awful. Um, I was on the counter as a teller and it was just, I did not enjoy that work whatsoever. Um, and yeah, my husband was working in a call center as well. He had gone through recruitment agency when he came to Australia and we were both just like doing what we can to earn some money in Australia. And we were both really like, okay, um, this is great. Australia is great. It's so big. Like Brisbane was incredibly big to us. We were like, our eyes were just open to a whole nother world. But the work that we were doing was extremely unfulfilling. Um, but it was, it was paying our bills. Basically, we weren't earning a lot of money at all. Um, it was very much a week to week basis. We were living in a, a little like unit, um, in Kangaroo Point in Brisbane. And we were just doing the, the nine to five thing. And yeah, it got to a point where, um, it didn't, it, no, it didn't get to a point where we were like, something needs to change. Cause it, that just didn't happen for us. Um, but I, then started to do my certification to become a trainer. So how I got into the industry is a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of an interesting um, story and worth noting. So I'd always been really active uh, throughout my whole life, and when I was at university, I had a, a gym membership. And so when I came to Australia, one of the first things that I got was a gym membership, even though you know we didn't have a lot of money. Um, it was really important for me to stay active, and. Um, as I was training, going to the gym every day after um, working at the bank, I just remember seeing all of these signs um, everywhere about becoming a trainer. And at that point in time, when I first started training and majority of my training life up until about 2015, 16, was I was training, I wasn't training, I was exercising. So for me, exercising is a different connotation. I was exercising to way less. That's, that's, that was my end goal. Um, I was running constantly. I was, my goal was just to see how fast I could run and how long I could run and then how, how little amount of food that I could eat. And it was this like sick game of how I can skew the calories in calories out equation. And I was doing that for so many years, um, on a treadmill, I was running on the road. I was running, I was just doing absolutely everything. I was doing Les Mills classes. I was doing body attack. I was, you know, body pumping a bit, um, just doing anything and everything to sweat and work myself to exhaustion. So when I first was at the gym at Good Life, that's, that's what I was doing. I was running on the treadmill. I would go in and pop myself on a treadmill and just run. And I remember the stickers on the treadmill. It was always like, become a trainer through AIPT, guaranteed placement. And to me, it just looked like this surefire career. And there was posters everywhere. It was like they marketed it so much around that time. And that's actually how, like, that's that's how I got interested. And it, it, as I was just running and not thinking about fucking a whole heap of stuff, I was, I was looking at these stickers and going, okay, yeah, cool. Um, maybe you could become a trainer or maybe you could do the certification and then you can figure out how much or how else you can be training that's going to help with your goals of losing weight. Like this is how it went in my head. So that was 
the the main reason that it sparked me to become a trainer is I wanted to gain more knowledge on how to train myself um, to ultimately become less and lose weight and become smaller. Um, and those of you that know me personally, like I'm not a big person. I'm relatively short on the height scale. Um, and like I just – it's so crazy to think back that I just – thought I was so fucking fat and that's what fueled me to get into the industry and so that was a, a driving factor and also when I then signed up I was like okay cool these these stickers these posters are saying that as soon as you finish your certification you'll get placed in a good life so to me ding 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 it looked all things positive um and I remember going and speaking to my husband who was my partner at the time and going cool I'm going to do these certifications and my my beautiful husband like always supports me in absolutely fucking everything that I do. And last night, in fact, we were having a bit of a chat about some timeline stuff that I wrote down in order to deliver this podcast to you guys today because um, it's becoming increasingly, I'm becoming increasingly aware that I'm not real good at the finer details and I don't f remember a lot of things. And I, one thing I do remember, however, is that when I said this to him, he, he said to me, there is no money, there is not a career in training. And it's not like it was him being like awful or not supporting me. It was just a fact in his mind. And anyway, I ended up doing the certification and we had to pay for the, the course on credit cards because we didn't have any money. We didn't have any savings. Um, and we racked it up on credit cards and I did the certification in four months. I was working full time. And then Friday, Saturday nights, I went to Good Life, did my practical work. And then I became a trainer and quit my job. Like... I, I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. You're doing it. And literally, that's what I did. I actually didn't feel too much fear um, because it's like I didn't know what I didn't know. And the, the picture that was getting painted is that you're going to get guaranteed a placement anyway. And that did happen. But boy, oh boy, I was naive and I didn't know what was going to happen. So I quit my job. I got placement in Good Life Ipswich. Um, now, to give you a bit of a, an idea about where that is and what that's about. Ipswich is in Brisbane. Well, it's like south of Brisbane. Well, I actually, I don't, I'm lying. I don't really know my directions very well, but to me it looked south and it was like 40 minutes drive to get to Brisbane city. Yep. Lol. That's, that's a terrible explanation. Anyway, so Ipswich is, we loved living around that area. Like seriously, we loved it out there. Um, but it was a very, it was a very low socioeconomic place. Um, there was not a lot of money. There's not a lot of people that had disposable income, especially to spend on training. Training is very much a luxury. And so anyway, that's where I decided to go. Um, and we were living in Red Bank, Pla Red Bank Plains at the time, which was like, I think like a 15 minute drive. So I only went there because of location. And, um, that's when I started my business and, I was really excited to start my business and I was really excited as, at the prospect of becoming a trainer. And I, I went head first and I was very lucky to have an amazing fitness director that helped me to start my career, Sarah Shaw, um, beautiful fucking boss lady. I remember just when I first started looking at her and listening to her and she just, she had so much knowledge. She had so much business savviness that I just really looked up to her and I send her messages every now and then now um, just to say thank you because I, again, I don't know if I didn't have a fitness director like that, 
with that genuine want to help people, genuine want to help people that wanted to help themselves. So I asked her questions. I would try and have meetings with her. I would watch what she was doing. I would observe her. So I know that from the get-go, I worked fucking hard. Um, but for the first four months, there was like no money coming through. Um, and especially with having the conversations with Ant last night, I, I really didn't remember how hard we had to struggle for a lot of the times when I first started. So when we first started, it was very much week to week. Um, every, every dollar was accounted for. Um, yeah, everything that we wanted went on credit cards. Like we still went on holidays, but we're very much living outside our means and we were racking it up on credit cards. And when you're putting obviously debt on credit cards and you don't have a lot of income coming in, it might not look like a heap of credit, um, debt, but you can't pay it off. So it was just, yeah, we were, we were heavily in debt for our lifestyle. Um, and I, I worked my ass off and I started to earn a couple of hundred dollars, like five, six months in. And then that's when I just kept growing and growing and growing my business. Now, when I was in Ipswich, so I was at that club until February 2015. So that was like, oh, 2013. It was like two years, basically, of running a business in Good Life Ipswich. And the best weeks that I ever had in Good Life Ipswich from a monetary point of view were uh, around 1600 and that's without taking out rent. So rent's like 300 per week. So my best weeks were like 1300 And my best weeks were decent money, but like it was so much work. I remember those weeks of like 5.30 a.m. sessions right up until the last sessions at nighttime at like 8, 8.30. Like I was killing myself and I was busting my ass to earn what we were earning. And it was just, there was just not a lot of money out there. And we were running half hour sessions at that time. So half hour sessions, I think it was like $40. Um, and it was just, a, it had to be a numbers game as well to get the money that we needed to earn. And I just remember like, it was an evolution of, of myself as a trainer and an evolution of my business just by trial and error. Now, remember I got into the industry because it was, the fact of the matter is that I was running my ass to the ground and I just wanted to know how to burn more calories. And that's how I was still training for a good part of the first, like the first few years of me as a trainer. Um, it doesn't mean that I was doing that training with my clients. I was, you know, we were doing strength, some form of strength training. It was very much like circuit based work, supersets, more bodybuilding type training. Um, and it was only until I got injured that that's when I started to actually train myself in a strength training capacity. So I was running and I was doing half marathons and I remember doing a half marathon and I finished it and my body was just fucked. Like my hips were shot. Um, I had shin splints that were just awfully painful to walk. Um, and because I was training out of punishment, I needed something else to do. And I couldn't do like Les Mills classes, which is what I traditionally done before at university and even starting my career as a trainer. Um, I did body pump, body pump. Like that's a lot. That's where a lot of us started with strength training. And I couldn't do that. It was just too much, too many reps for my fucking body. And so my husband who was doing strength training at the time was like, well, why don't you give it a try? And I remember deadlifting for the first time was 40 kilos and it was fucking like I, it was awful. 
I hated it so much. It hurt my back and I just felt like a fucking numpty. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just couldn't get the awareness around it. And yeah, like it didn't, strength training didn't feel natural to me at the start. And I didn't gain that instant, like, oh my God, I'm hooked. Um, another, an experience that happened that really cemented to me, um, how much I needed to build my strength was we, when I was working at good life Ipswich, there was like a showcase that we had to do to in a health and wellness week that was um, being run at the food court of all fucking places um, next door to where our, our gym was. And we we're on a stage and there was a barbell and I think it was like 25 or 30 kilos. And we had to demonstrate a squat and we were all just kind of standing there. And the person that was presenting was like, oh, okay, cool. You can demonstrate and show us a, a squat with a barbell. And I remember trying to have, like having to pick up this barbell and like clean it and pop it onto my back. And I couldn't like, it was too heavy and I didn't have the strength to do it. And I just felt like, holy fuck. I felt, I felt like such an idiot. I felt humiliated and I ended up getting it onto my back and like no one laughed at me or anything like that. But I remember that experience of being, holy shit, these people thought that you could do that and you actually couldn't do that. This is like, you need to get your shit together and you need to start building some strength because if you're going to be a trainer and you're going to, you know, be displaying these different exercises and executing these exercises, then you have to fucking be able to do it. And so not for the want of wanting to strength train originally, it was the, this is all I can do because I am injured and then that experience of feeling so fucking humiliated, um, I just kept strength training and sure enough, like soon enough, the the wins and the interest of seeing the weight on the bar increase like started to hook me. And the obsession that I have with, uh, the, the obsession that I had with wanting to run kilometers and how fast I can run and X amount of time and blah, 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 it literally just got replaced with lifting. So lifting for me at the start was not out of a good space. It was not out of an empowered being a strong, being more person. It was, this is what you can do at this point in time. This is what you're going to use as your training methodology to continue to lose weight and get smaller. Um, so yeah, and I found out early on that I was pretty good at it and I could get strong really fast. And that's when... Um, my husband was like, well, why don't, have you ever seen, like, have you heard of powerlifting? And he'd been to a powerlifting comp. He's like, well, why don't you give it a try? And so, yeah, he had just planted the seed in my brain. And that's when I then hired a coach to help me with powerlifting. And 2014 was when I competed for the first time. And 2014 was when powerlifting started for me out of a very negative space. And it would only be for, it, it would still take a couple of years um, 2016, 2017 is when my relationship, I guess, with lifting and powerlifting started to change from being a punishment and a need into, I want to do this. And this is something that I truly fully enjoy. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy strength training during that time. It's just, it was harbored from a negative space. Um, and it's so different to what it is now. So, you know, during that time when I was in Ipswich, my interests were changing with my training methodology. The way that, you know, the way that I then began to train my, my clients was a bit different. We didn't do powerlifting training at all. Um, but I became, I, I began to gain more knowledge around strength training and, you know, I tried new programs and 
I then was like trying new ways of putting the girls together and just just trial and error. And then I decided like, okay, well, I saw that there was there was a couple of trainers at my gym that were doing like CrossFit training and I noticed that they had big groups and I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could do groups with my with my girls. And so I like put put the feelers out there. Do you guys want to try some group training? We gave it a try and they absolutely loved it. So then I started incorporating a Saturday session and I remember it was $15 per person. So it wasn't built into programs at all. It was just like an add-on. And yeah, that's what I did is we trained one-on-one and then we had like our group sessions if you wanted to come to that as well. So it's just, you look around and you see what people are doing. You try it for yourself. You see if you like it and you learn from it. So that's how I started group training with the $15 a week bootcamp type scenario plus their one-on-one training. And that's when community started to, to really, really thrive. Um, yeah. Sorry, just had a bit of a drink. So then basically from there, I was at Good Life and Ipswich for a couple of years. And then a big, like, a big shock came to me. And that was that my husband had got offered a job in Melbourne to get relocated and really progress his career. And that was in 2015. And I just remember that I didn't want to go. I fucking, I had worked my ass off to build this business to where it was. I was having fully booked weeks. um, But my best weeks were obviously around 1600 before rent. We were still like very much counting, counting pennies, counting pennies and trying to pay for bills and pay off debt that we'd racked up in the process. And yeah, when he got offered that job, um, it was a, yes, we're going to go, but I just didn't want to go. And I forgot this when I was having a conversation with Anne last night, I actually forgot this, that he said, just before we moved to Melbourne, I had already entertained the idea and decided that I was going to move clubs from Ipswich to a city club because I was starting to like see and notice that like I was reaching a ceiling with my earnings um, which on hindsight now, no, like there could have been different models I could have put into my, my programs at Good Life Ipswich, but I saw it as a ceiling and I saw that if I went to a city gym, there would be higher income, which meant that I could charge more for my training. So I was thinking about going and had apparently made the decision, which I actually don't remember. Um, but then we came to Melbourne and it was a very short turnaround. Um, we got, he got offered the position and a month later we moved and we got relocated. Um, and when you leave a commercial gym, you have to give three months notice. And so I gave three months notice, and but I still had to pay rent at the gym for another two months. Then I came to Melbourne. Um, I was like, my reputation in good life was really high. I had a really good business. I was a good trainer. So I met with a regional manager and he basically took me around three clubs and I decided which one that I wanted to go to. And I chose Good Life Preston because I had a matrix and some open space and I liked strength training. It was the furthest one away from me, but I could see that there was more potential to build a business there with the space. Um, So yeah, I moved to and I started my second business theoretically at Good Life Preston. Um, But at that time again, I was paying rent from Good Life Ipswich and I also had to start paying rent at Good Life Preston. So during that time over the like, like a couple of months, our expenses was just really high and um, we were fucking struggling when we first came to Melbourne. And 
again, I did not even know. I didn't know this until Ant told me last night and it breaks my fucking heart. But the first couple months of us being in Melbourne, he told me that he couldn't actually afford to pay for his um, tickets, his public transport tickets, and that he didn't actually tell me. Like, holy fuck. When I heard that, like it, like it made me cry um, because like he had, he had tried to like save this information from me, right? Because he wanted me to do my business and, and continue to pursue my goals. But I just was like, well, how the fuck did you get to work? And he's like, I dodged, I dodged the trams. And I'm just like, oh my God, I, I can't even believe this happened, but that's stealing. And yeah, like it's just the things that keep coming up as I look back and have this conversation with Ant, because obviously when you're in building a business and you're in an entrepreneurial space, like for me, I know that I am constantly thinking about what I can be doing to help with this or to support this or whatever it might be. And that is a good, some good qualities to have, but at the same time, it can also be turn you off to the reality of what's happening and, I was turned off to the reality of what is happening and yeah, it's like, I feel so fucking grateful that I had a supportive partner that helped me through that time, but it's just mind blowing to me. So anyway, um, I came to Good Life Preston and started my business and I was still, I was running a business called Rasheen H Fitness and I grew a business really fast. I knew what I was doing. I, my training, my training methodology was awesome. I was alert, like I was a trainer that wanted to learn. I wrote programs. I read things online. I Googled shit. I went to courses. Like I had, I just knew that if I wanted to create a business, like you had to do the shit yourself to learn. And when I look and think about that now, I've always had that those traits within me. Like when I was at university, university didn't come easy to me. Um, I had to fucking work my ass off to get through university and get the grades that I got. It was, I was always studying. I always remember. And that's what I look back at on the time when I was at uni is that I really fucking tried. I wrote so many notes. I, I, I always went to my lectures. I was always at the library. Um, but I fucking, you know, like I did uni things in between. I got on the purse. I went to the gym. Like my life is so different to what it was back then. But for the majority of the time at my university, I slogged my ass off. And that's a big benefit. And I gained so much from university because it taught me how to learn. And that, that love of learning and that ethos around learning is something that I've taken from university and I continue to do now. So my business grew really fast, actually. Um, and I decided to make a change um, to brand into BBB around 2016, which I'll kind of explain why this happened. Um, so yeah, my pricings that I was charging was more, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, Melbourne. Um, socioeconomic wise, there was more money here. I had more experience behind me. So I felt like I could charge more as well. I believed in my training. I knew that I could get my clients results. So I stood by what I was charging. Um, I had all also started to do group training as well because of me doing a bit of trial and error in Ipswich. And I had programs that were group training programs as well. And that started to be a multi, you know a couple of times per week. So you'd have a program that was two, two strength training sessions per week um, and then a conditioning session. And that's just trialing those particular programs. And I still have things like that today in my business. So I really was just, I was killing it. The girls that came to me were attracted to strength training because that's 
what we did and that's the you know ethos that we portrayed around our training and that's the what you saw on the gym floor and I was so immersed in powerlifting that that's how I wanted to to run my business um and I was competing as a powerlifter during that time and I ended up competing for Australia and Canada and to me, it's not that that set a reputation for me by any means, but it set a reputation in myself and being accepted and asked to compete for the country. I, it gave me some self-worth and it gave me some confidence in, in my abilities as a lifter and that overflowed into my abilities as a coach. So being able to represent the country was a big thing for me. And it really just cemented to me, row a lifter, a person, a coach that, you know, what you've been working towards is you can achieve your goals. So yeah, I, I grew my business and I was, you know, a big force in Good Life Preston. We took over the matrix, we took over the floor and it was, it was an enjoyable experience for the most part, but it became, it began to get to a point where because we were getting so big um, and because our girls were like when we were together, you know, when you've got a group of women that feel so empowered and strong, um, you know, we go off, go after stuff. We hit numbers that we haven't hit before. We cheer, we high five, we laugh. It did mean that we attracted attention. And, you know, then we would try and girls would start wanting to try knee sleeves on and wear shorts and start to adopt what, you know, powerlifting life is like. And, we would have so many people look at us and it got to a point where it was really uncomfortable. Um, I remember this. There was two instances actually um, where we had a couple of our girls wearing shorts and there were some members at Good Life Preston that just were fucking glaring at our ladies. And then there was one that literally stood right in front of her. So the Matrix had like four different um, setups and he was standing in front of her, right in front of her, looking directly at her as she has a bar on her back and she's in shorts. And that's a big thing for her because she's wanting to feel awesome in her body and, you know, wear shorts and, and feel, feel herself, yeah? And you've got dudes that are fucking staring at you. So that was one time that I remember, yeah, like super crystal clear. And then another time was when um, one of our girls was squatting and she was still warming up and there was a guy that came behind her and he like literally put his hands on the bar and like guided her back into the rack and was like, no, no, you're cool. Like I can help you. That's fine. Like she was in no way failing. It was still a warm up, And he had like guided her back into the rack, basically saying that that weight is too heavy for her and like take any and take the weight down. And it was just like, I remember that and be like, what the fuck? Like, where is the personal space? Where is the like, what, what is going on here? And there was a number of different occasions where those type of things started to happen, especially the looking. And that started to really cement in my head that there needs to be something else. Like the environment that we're creating in our own community where we can in this commercial space is fucking beautiful and empowering and strong, but we're still trying to combat all these dudes and everything else that's going on. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a big thing that will heavily influence us opening, um, HQ. So, uh, we were at, I was at Good Life Preston, um, working for myself as a sole trader for, um, like a year. And then I had already started to like 
network and meet other coaches, then I was gaining more confidence in myself as a person. So I felt like I could, you know, put myself out there and talk to people more. And it was 2016, June, I believe, whereas uh, where I went to, I signed up for what was called the Fitness Business Summit. And it was the first event in the fitness industry where it was different people coming together to talk all things fitness business, basically. Um, and I remember this, I bought a VIP ticket and I had a friend at the time, Matt, and he, oh yeah, he messaged me the other day about this. And I bought a VIP ticket because I wanted to get like the recordings for the learnings and I did not want to go. So even though I had built confidence in myself and I was feeling so much better and like training and all that kind of fucking demon shit that I was facing was still very much going through my life, but I could see some, some sparks of something else. And anyway, um, I didn't want to go because with the VIP ticket, you sat at the front and then also you had to go to a lunch. You didn't have to, but there was a lunch there and it had been positioned as, you know, you get to network with different people, you get to talk and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't want to talk to people. I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. And anyway, he had to like, Matt had to like fucking basically force me to go because I was just so nervous. But Fitness Business Summit is when everything started to unfold for me about what I can do and who I am as a person. And people in that room throughout the day were people like Craig Harper, Marco Tobre, Sebastian Oreb, um, Chris Dufay, Lynn Trin, um... I, I can't, I think that's it. I'm not sure. But I just remember being like, holy shit. There is so much more to what is going on. And when I had been training as a soul trader by myself in Good Life in Preston, I was working my ass off and burning myself to the ground. Like I was making decent money, but the time that I was spending doing this was just it was so much. It was like back-to-back sessions. It was from early morning up until late night. In the weekends I was working, it was just, I didn't know if I could do this. And I genuinely didn't know if I wanted to do this anymore. And then when I went to Fitness Business Summit, it was like, I didn't know what it really was, but I knew that there was something else. And then I started following these people that I heard in person. I started following Marco Tobre. Um, I started listening to Craig Harper and I wanted to get involved in everything that was going on. And of particular interest to me was the person that had organized the event, Hayden Wilson. And he's my mentor still to this day. And he got up and spoke like at the end of the event and he was so fucking awkward. Like I remember all these amazing speakers that just had so much charisma and so much energy. And here he was, he, I was like, who the fuck is this dude? Um, he was like super quiet, just looks like a nerd. <laughs> and it, it was mind blowing to me that this person that was saying, thank you for coming, had organized and orchestrated this whole thing. And so I wanted to know who he was and I followed him. And then I signed up for a course that he did through some like um, online, online training space, which I didn't want to do, but I ended up doing it because I don't know what was going on. I just wanted something and I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do, right? And then he was, he then started marketing for what was called the elite coaches breakfast club, which was a 12 month mentoring program. And I remember when that came up and I was like, no, that, okay, that sounds fucking amazing, but you won't be able to do this. And 
I like toyed around with it for so long. And I remember like two days, I think it was like two days before I sent him a message, Hayden, because I'd already, I'd been doing this online course with him and Lynn Tran. And I said, do you think that this is something that I could apply for? And it took every fucking ounce of courage in me to send that message. And he said, yes, of course. And to me, like that belief that someone else thought that I could be considered, even considered a word elite to describe me. I was like, wow, like I had hit like a whole new level of this is just fucking crazy. And anyway, I got accepted and that changed again. Like when lifting, when I got accepted for, to represent Australia, this was like another one of those moments where I was like, wow, this just built so much and gave me that fire in me to be like someone else believes in you. And anyway, I started Elite Coaches Breakfast Club. I also started another 12-month mentoring program at the time, which was through Mark Tobre because he was one of the speakers. And I was like, I love his jam. I need to know I need to be involved and immersed in this. And so at that time, I'd signed up for two 12-month mentoring programs um, in, that were starting into 2016, all of 2017. And it ended up being $35,000 of education that I had put on my family. Um, and like I was earning money at Good Life Preston, but there was not anything to, to write home about, right? Like we still had debt to pay off from Brisbane. Um, like we weren't, we weren't struggling, but to then go and put another $35,000 of debt on and I was still paying my student loan in New Zealand. Like, man, that was such a hard decision to go ahead and say yes to these courses, but my husband just supported me in everything that I did. And I felt so fucking awful to sign up for both of these things because I'm like, oh my God, this dude, like my husband had just, he's already been put through the ringer of the things that I want to pursue. And I just felt like a sense of guilt that I was taking money um, from our family and from the, the goals that he had for buying a house. And anyway, I always remember this, Mark Tobre, um, said to me, and I'm going to try and not get upset um, because, yeah, that's fine. Let me just take a drink of water. Because um, I'd already signed up for Elite Coaches Breakfast Club and I really wanted to do Wolfpack as well, but that was a lot of money. It was a lot of money for 12 months. Um, and my objection to him when he was doing a sales call with me was um, like, I, it was money. Like that was genuinely my objection. And it was like, it was genuine. Like we did not have the fucking money to pay for this. Um, and he always said to me, and I, and not only was money the objection, but it was also the guilt that I felt around taking money um, from us as a couple and putting my husband through even more debt. And Mark Tobre said to me, like, cause Anne, like anyone that knows Ant and, um, yeah, knows our relationship and who we are. Like he genuinely is like the fucking most supportive person ever. Um, and it's making me really upset because he's just like, it's, it's very rare to find someone that supports you that much. And anyway, Mark had said to me, um, and just wants you to, to be the queen that he knows you can be. And, <laughs> Like that's fucking powerful, yeah. And so yeah, I ended up selling. He ended up selling the program to me, um, and I started both the Elite Coaches and Wolfpack. And then 
when I started those programs to be around people that were higher thinkers. Um, it was just so much more to life. So yeah, that was a big thing for me. And when I had started Elite Coaches, so that started before Wolfpack, um, I had like, I was just getting immersed in all of these awesome speakers and this awesome content that Hayden was providing. And it was just like, man, there is just so much more to life. That dream of opening a gym, like I could start to see it. Do you know what I mean? And after um, Fitness Business Summit, like two weeks after Fitness Business Summit, I was like, after seeing the first lot of motivational speakers and all of this fucking energy in the room, I, I actually like two weeks later hired my first trainer at Good Life. And that was, yeah, that was big. Like that was my first big decision to play a bigger game because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to do the hustle anymore. Like, I mean, fucking, I do hustle my ass off now, but I didn't want to be doing the just me running multiple sessions back to back because it was either that or fucking leave because it was tiring as fuck and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I hired my first trainer and I paid her rent at Good Life. So $300, um, I paid two lots of them and then I paid her an hourly wage to work for me. And when I did that, my business blew up. Like... We started to make a huge amount of profit. Um, I paid for my whole wedding in a very short amount of time from the money that was earned. She made a killing with earnings and our community had the capacity to grow. And I had more time back that I had the capacity to think on growing a business even bigger because my mind was out of being the technician 24-7 um, and running the sessions 24-7 that I could start to think a bigger game. So that was huge for me. It was my first taste of being a boss, of having a staff member, obviously, of like spending time on working on the business and not always in the business. And I just started to fucking love it. And so, yeah, I that was that was big. And me and the coach, we had a ball. Um, we had an amazing time and we were building such an awesome community and the girls loved their training. They were getting amazing results and I could it was cementing all the stuff in myself that you're a good trainer. You could run something more. It didn't have to be session to session, to session week to week. And then the next thing that really started to hit that spark for me was 2016 when we had Craig Harper come to Elite Coaches Breakfast Club and he was with us for a morning. And I forgot how soon this happened, but Ant reminded me last night. That day, um, I was in the room with Craig Harper, and because I was like, like I was fucking starstruck by him. Um, that afternoon, I got home and I said to Aunt, "I'm done. I'm I'm putting in my resignation. I'm opening a gym." And like ever since I went to Fitness Business Business Summit. So prior to that, remember it was like I'm running sessions to sessions. I'm fucking earning pretty good money, but it was just tiring as fuck. Then I made the decision to um, hire my first coach, which I did. And then we started to make a killing with profit. And then um, it was around that time that I started to realize that that goal of that every trainer has that they want to open a facility, that I could do that. And I became to, I came to see that, yeah, this is, this is not a fucking dream anymore. This can be a reality. And then when I saw Craig Harper that afternoon, I actually put in my resignation to good life and I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to open my own gym. And that was in December 2016, um, November 2016, the month before we just got married. And um, yeah, we had just found out that we were pregnant. <laughs> 
So a lot happened in November, well, from like September to December 2016. I started to get immersed in understanding my mindset. I started to get immersed in work that showed me how fucking talented and educated and hardworking I am. And I just... I just kept going down that rabbit hole because it felt so great. And there was positive stuff that was happening as a result of that. And especially when I saw Craig Harper, that was it. Like I was like, I'm done. And yeah, um, I was obviously pregnant and I gave my notice, which I need to give three months again. And we had predicted to open in February, 2017. And the coach gave her notice as well. Good life. And I then from there had the next part of opening a gym. And I hadn't, guys, I hadn't figured this out. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I would figure it out. Um, and the process of finding a facility, perfecting our programs, gaining finance for equipment, looking at obviously all the logistics of running a gym started to unfold. And, um, we had a facility locked in and we were supposed to open in February. And then two weeks before um, we were to open, it got pulled because the, the owner then decided that they wanted to pull the contract and take the space themselves. And that was not devastating. Um, it was just like, oh, fuck. Like, as you can imagine, what the fuck am I going to do? So I only had two weeks. So I actually had to extend my other uh, other coach working at Good Life, she had to stay at Good Life for another month just to give us another space to train. But I left, so I needed that extra month. So she was running all the sessions. Thank you so much for the the fucking hard work you, that you did. I wouldn't have been able to do that myself. Oh my gosh! Um, and then I started to open a gym, and then I had basically a week to find a new facility. And yeah, I opened in March. So some dates got pushed back and. Some dates were up in the air, but March 13th, 2017, we opened our own facility and holy fuck, the first month was a ride. My programs changed completely from Good Life Preston to opening a facility. I saw that the group programs that we were offering at Good Life were just doing so well. They were building the community. They were building the connections between our ladies. They were able to get our ladies results and be at a price that was affordable for people while maintaining high level service. And so I changed my model a little bit and I had two group training programs and one one-on-one -on -one program. And they're still the programs that we have today. Um, and yeah, I opened the facility, but it was not all smooth sailing. Um, so at this time I was like six months pregnant. And the week before we actually opened, my husband had to go back to New Zealand to go to a wedding. And I remember when he went, I was like tears. I'm like, you can't leave. Like I had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. I was so pregnant and I had to put things together. And I was just, I, it was so much. But he came back like the night before we opened. And then the next month after that was a fucking shit show. We had no power. We had, yeah, like fucking no power, which meant that the showers were cold. We had no light when it was 6 a.m. in the morning. We had no light when it was dark at night. We had no music. So I had to go and like ask the neighbors to charge our Bluetooth speakers that I had borrowed from one of the girls because I couldn't afford to fucking buy any. Um, oh, God. We had to get generators. Three generators died. 
Um, and generators, like they're fucking little generators that were really noisy. And we had to like go and fill it up with petrol and oh my God. It, and it was so smoky and it had this noise as we were training. And I just, the day that we got power, I was like, I can die and go to heaven happily right now. So it was fucking hard. And we had, so it was me and the other coach. And then soon after we opened HQ, I had two other coaches start with me that were part-time. Um, and this was probably, as I look back, this was one of the biggest mistakes that I made is having too much staff too early on. Um, because our expenses were fucking huge and expenses obviously being all of the equipment, um, like obviously all of the logistical um, expenses, but then expenses of, of wages as well. And we didn't have a whole heap of money coming in. So we like, we didn't make a lot. I didn't make a lot of money in the first like 14 months of opening HQ. We were struggling. And, and again, um, reminded me last night how much we were struggling. And I don't, it's not that I forgot how much we were struggling. It's just that I didn't want to, I didn't want to know. I didn't, like he said to me last night that I actually said to a point, I said to him, I don't want to know anymore what's happening. Like, I don't want to know. All I'm going to focus on is having, getting more ladies to come and train with us. All I'm going to focus on is getting our ladies results so that they can tick off their goals and then they can refer clients and then we can keep growing and blah, 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 blah. And man, he had to worry about so much of the money stuff because it was his salary that we lived off. But any money that I earned, which was really little, was going towards going back into the business. So yeah, it was a, it was a really, really hard time for the first 14 months. And also um, we had a baby. <laughs> And I actually forgot this, but the first year of Lexi, my daughter being alive, we had dropped Ant down to work four times a week instead of full time so that he could be there to experience the first year of her life. Um, and wow, I can't even like, that's crazy that we did that as well, because any extra money at that point in time, I could see that it was so important for him because family is just like the number one value. His daughter is everything to him. And so I just wanted him to be there. And so I don't know, again, I didn't know how we were going to fucking do it, but we figured it out. Like we fucking figured it out. And yeah, it was, it was a tough slog. And so we ran the first year of HQ. Um, we have always got two to three coaches with us. Um, and at the time, actually, since when I started Wolfpack in 2017 and I finished at the end of 2017, so I remember we'd already been open for like 10 months. Um, I first got, I got my first help in the admin sense. So I had hired a guy, Sly, who actually works for me full time as of this week. Um, he, I hired him to help me with some like spreadsheets and just getting some like sense to the nonsense of what was fucking owning a gym. And I needed some more tracking and all of that kind of stuff. So another big mistake is that I didn't track things early enough and that's why now when people talk to me about running a business I'm like fucking spreadsheets spreadsheets everywhere because yeah it was it was a, a big wake-up call that I was a really good coach and a really good trainer and a really good like I was really good at sales and building our community and all of this but the finer details were starting to kick me in the ass 
and he, Sly, kept working for me and his work started to increase as we started to grow. Coaches went in and out. Um, I've had a number of coaches that have worked with me over the last almost three years that haven't worked out. Um, the shortest coach I had was for five weeks and then the longest coach who I've had is over, uh, should be coming up to two years at the start of next year. And she's been with the BBB family as a client prior to that. So, um, you know, I've had, I've had it all. I've had girls that come into the industry and realize that it's not for them. Girls that come into this type of coaching and this level of coaching and realize how fucking hard it is to have a higher service level, um, and realize it's not for them. And I've had other coaches that have absolutely thrived in this environment and have had multiple promotions and going and doing amazing things and they will help to continue to build the next stage of BBB. So it, it's, it's not for everyone, um, the type of coaching that we do. And when I say the type of coaching that we do is that we are such a no BS space, meaning, you know, we train and we make our girls so fucking strong physically but physical and mental strength do not stand alone if you want to get pbs on a bar you are going to have to fucking confront some shit around why you might stop grinding when it gets a little bit hard or why your consistency with training is dropping off at 12 weeks in or whatever it might be and i know that my experience through strength training and building my confidence and addressing my self-worth and fucking highlighting that shit is important and that's what's helped me become a better lifter, a better businesswoman and a better coach. And training is not just training your muscles. Training is training your mind. And for me, I will not run a business that doesn't take into account a holistic training approach because it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right for people to follow a screen on the wall it doesn't feel right to do fucking weird exercises on foam rollers. It doesn't feel right to put a band and a ball and a fucking jump and blah, blah, blah into one and then make it do it and kill themselves and finish in a ball of fucking sweat on the ground. And that's all training is. Like that doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't sit well to me. Training to me is everything from your mind to your body, to your behaviors, to your attitudes, obviously fucking mentally, physically, spiritually, that's what training involves to me. And therefore my training style and training methodology that we have at BUB incorporates all of this. And it's hard. So yeah, um, uh, you know, we're, we are coming up to our third year, 2020. So 2017, 2020. And over the years, we have seen massive growth. The first year, we saw a lot of turnover, and we saw a lot of um, we saw a lot of money come through the business, but our expenses were really, really high. So the the problem that we had and the mistakes that I had was have too many staff, and yeah, too too much staff and too much expenses. But there's a lot of expenses that had to be there. But yeah, I would have I would have done it differently. Um, the second year, we started to really hit some stride. Um, we started to really streamline our staff and streamline who we took on and what our, you know, what, uh, no, that doesn't make sense. We started to really focus on like the back end stuff. 
So really starting to systemize stuff, really starting to get real with where we're spending our money, really starting to get real with our coaches. And quite honestly, I became a, a more a, a more stern boss. I don't think that's a word, but I became, yeah, I became a more of a, a, a stern a stern person because at the end of the day, I am a boss. I can't always be someone's friend. And that's been a, a really hard lesson to learn is that as a boss, you you know, you're going to have to st- step into boss things. Uh, you're going to have going to have to have conversations that are going to upset people. You're going to have to tell your coaches when things when they're doing things that are not up to scratch. You're going to have to call them out on their behavior when they're bringing personal life into business. Um, and yeah, like that's been a really hard lesson for me is that, you know, we all want to be liked, right? Like so many of us, including myself, have a fear of judgment and a fear of what other people will think. But at the end of the day, like I am a boss and I'm a leader. And with that territory um, comes some shit that's really hard. So I, I know that my style and my position as a leader and a boss over the last year and a half in particular, I have I have got better. And that's because I've stepped into my myself as boundaries. Um, so yeah, it's the biggest things over the last three years is that we've from a money in money out perspective, um, we really had to start focusing on where our money was being spent. Um, and that's like fucking going through everything with a fine tooth coat, fine tooth comb. Like I always want everything for my clients, which meant that I would buy things left, right and center. If they needed a particular resource, I would buy it. If they needed new things on the floor, I would buy it. If they needed to have a particular time in the week for another session, I would add another group session, which in reality is probably not the most beneficial um, business move, but I would do it. I would do everything to make my clients happy. And as I've grown and stayed in the business, like I've learned that you have to be okay with people not liking you and people not necessarily understanding your decisions. But at the end of the day, like I've still got a business to run. And if my business doesn't stay afloat and thrive, then I can't offer anything to my clients. So I've set a lot of boundaries around, um, you know, what I do for other people. And so our programs are really, really strict now. Um, our times that we offer are really strict. Um, we make sure that our attendance is high in particular sessions before we start adding more times. I make sure that I'm absolutely utilizing my coaches as much as I can. I will never hire a part-time coach again. And I'm saying that at this point in time, my perception might change about it. However, I've had multiple part-time trainers over the time of being at HQ and a part-time trainer cannot give a full-time commitment to me and to the business and to my clients. And that's not to say that their intentions aren't there. They had been beautiful coaches and they tried, but their, their mind had been elsewhere to get through studies. And that's fucking fine. But for me as a business owner who runs a business that believes heavily that it is an all in, I need coaches that are have the same ethos around training. And that is genuinely why the trainers that have worked for me have not lasted. It's not, it's not for everyone. And this type of work environment is immersive, but with full immersion comes full benefits and full fulfillment. And yeah, so that, that's another big lesson is I, I probably won't hire part-time trainers again. Um, 
another big lesson is that get your shit sorted early and get tracking early. Um, write down everything in spreadsheets. Have how much money's coming in, how much money's coming out. Have things where it's how many people are rescheduling sessions. Know your attendance. Know you know, when people might drop off, know when there's going to be more times of people taking holidays. I'm currently um, mentoring um, a beautiful girl who works in the fitness industry um, as a coach and as part of my other business of mentoring strength coaches. And she's five months into becoming a coach. And we are spending so much time now on tracking and having all of these systems in place because that was the biggest fucking downfall that I've ever done in the industry is not stay on my shit enough. And it's quite evident because, you know, you've got to remember that I said to Anne, I don't want to hear about it. Even at the start of 2017, I don't want to hear about it. So I tried to bury my head and all these things that are there because it's too fucking hard. So we all try to bury our head guys, but we can't. And you know, yeah, well, that's a big realization that I've just had, like all the signs have, have been there. Um, but as a business owner and someone that is continuing to grow, I can't bury my head, even though I have people now that run my accounts and run our banking, um, our invoices and salaries and all of that kind of stuff. I still need to have my finger on the pulse with everything, whether I know exactly how much is coming through in one particular week, I need to know what's going on because I am, this is my business. So yeah, that's a big thing is knowing your numbers and not just knowing your numbers of what you're going to charge, but knowing your numbers of absolutely everything guys. Um, so yeah, get on your spreadsheets early. Um, another thing, another lesson is that like, as I'm going through this conversation and you know, spending some time reflecting on it is that there is going to be so many fucking times where you want to give up. Like I haven't had one of those in a while. Um, and when I say a while, I'm going to say six months. <laughs> um, but there are times when it gets hard that I go for a split second. I'm, I can't, I'm done. Um, because yeah, like things happen which make you really consider if you've got it in you. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but at the same time, like when those moments come, um, like six months ago, I then jump into a whole lot of work around, okay, this is just your emotions talking as I am now. My emotions are, are displaying sadness and gratitude, etc. Um, and these emotions come through. So I go, okay, cool. You've got an option. You can either bury your fucking head again. You can say, I'm done. I'm closing down HQ. I'm firing my staff. I'm going to go and do something else that is easier. That is guaranteed. That is less stressful, blah, 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 blah. And then when I think about that life, oh God, fuck that. Like I cannot, I cannot do that. I've done that. I've been a nine to fiver. I've been on the phones. I've worked in a bank. I've worked on the, you know, I've worked with people. I've, oh, like I can't be under the spell of a nine to five. You piss at this time. You tell us when you're going to the toilet, you clock in, you clock out. I can't live a life like that now that I've seen this. And when I say now that I've seen this, now that I felt what it feels like to you know, drive your own ship. And 
um, what it feels like to feel fulfilled and feel confident in my abilities and feel like I'm making a difference and feel like I'm alive. Like, that's it. Like, I feel like I'm alive. And even though there's times that are stressful as fuck, like the stressful times and everything is just a perception of our brain, right? Like, even though there's times that are like, oh God, I just need to take 10 minutes. I can now, I now have the ability to, to build that into my life. Like it's Friday and I've put my, I've put Lexi into childcare for another day and I got to go and read this morning and I, I get to speak with you guys about, about this. Like, this is just amazing that I get to do this with my life. So to me, the, the negatives and then the positives, the positives far outweigh any times that are challenging because over the last seven years, there's been so many challenging times, not just for me. And on a side note, you know, as you can start to obviously hear through this, through this podcast, my support partner, my husband has been through absolutely fucking everything alongside me, but he doesn't run the business. So even though the times have been so challenging, they have enriched our life as a couple as a family, as an individual, because if I hadn't been through these things from a business point of view and tried to figure out how to manage staff members and how to figure out how to pull out $10,000 in two months out of my ass and how to figure out how to get power on in a facility or whatever it might be, these are all experiences that have enriched my life. And because I've just had so many of these things happen, my ability to deal with things now, whew, like I'm going to give myself a fucking clap for that shit. Like I can, I can do it. And when people say to me, wow, Ro, you are so strong and you, you have so many things that you deal with and blah, 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 blah. Oh, you're just such an inspiration. And, and I really want to display some of the qualities that I see in you. It's like, I just go, thank you. And I take the compliment and then depending on who I'm speaking to, I'll just go, you know, you don't like, you probably don't have any idea what exactly has gone on to um, be able to be this person. So yeah, um, I think that will round us up to kind of a nice end. Um, but like, holy shit, this is just such a crazy ride and over the last almost seven years, it's like in the grand scheme of things, seven years is not that long. And I'm now in a position where I have my own facility. Um, I get to have a team and I also get to create opportunities for other coaches. Like that is such, I find, I find so much pride in that and so much privilege to be able to offer a space for my staff members, three of my staff members to build a career to then go and buy a home. I've got one of them that's looking to buy a home right now. I've got another one that's early 20s that's saving for a house and she'll get a house herself. That's what she wants. I've got another one that's just moved from Bendigo and to be here. And like, that's amazing that not only do I get to change my life and have a life that is fulfilling and colorful and amazing and just so many wonderful experiences and it's enriched the life of me my husband my family my daughter 
I get to also do that with my clients that come through our doors. And I'm going to be continuing to do this for years to come. So um, running a business um, and opening a gym is hard. As you can see, or as you can hear, there have been big points uh, that have, I guess, influenced me taking steps. And the logistics part of like, you know, figuring out my programs and figuring out my pricing and then figuring out how to manage a staff member and figuring out how to manage money in, money out, etc. Like I know, and my advice to, to anyone listening, whether you want to open a gym or not, is that is like logistical based stuff that you can figure out, right? Like you can figure out how to, uh, how much money you need to bring in to cover your expenses for a gym that's based around, like around the same square meter as my gym. Um, you can figure out how much you need to charge in order to make X amount. You can figure out how many hours you need to offer your staff in order to satisfy what they need for their living arrangements. But that's all logistical stuff that when you actually stop and tap into your brain and write stuff out and talk to people and get advice, you can figure that out. That's the stuff that is going to be easier. The stuff that is so fucking hard is understanding the user and understanding the person behind those decisions. So Row is the person that obviously makes the decision around what programs are offered, what pricing, um, you know, what workshops are offered, all that logistical stuff. And in order to have someone that is successful and shows up to do the work when it's tiring, when it's stressful, when there is no energy left in your body to do something, you have to be able to tap into the power of you as a person in order to get through those times. Um, you know, obviously, if we think back when I first said this and started talking about how I just had no self-confidence and I wasn't good enough and I didn't know if I could be considered for things or be an elite coaches breakfast club or be an elite level international athlete like all of those experiences built confidence in me and if I didn't have those things along the way and if I didn't pursue powerlifting and strength training and building pvs and all that cool shit then I wouldn't have those qualities to then pull the trigger and make the decision on how much to charge like the link benefit between the personality and the behavior traits that I have unnecessary in order to be where I am today. Like I've built grit. I've built determination. Passion comes and goes, but I, I have curiosity constantly. I have motivation, you know, sporadically, but like I have all these things that underpin who I need to be in order to have what I want to have and be the person that continues to keep going. So the the last piece of advice that I'm going to leave you with is that take time. And when I say time, it's more effort. Put in effort to understand how you operate, the thoughts that you think, the feelings that you have about yourself, because we know that thoughts affects feelings, which affects action. And if you can't understand how you think and how you feel, you are never going to be the driver of your fucking future. 
you are never going to get the goals and you know move in the direction that you want if you can't interrupt those negative thoughts that are going on or if you can't harbor and create new thought patterns so spend that time and take that fucking effort and immerse yourself into understanding who you are as a person oh my golly I hope that you have gained some perspective and taken some lessons from this um and I hope that it made sense so if you have any questions and if you want to jump into more details so this was just the first podcast of opening into this topic and I suspect that we're going to have to break into some logistics around a few more things because this was heavily based around experience and emotion um, I'll do that I'll do that but any questions please reach out I love I love talking and, and having these conversations all right guys that is me for today um Have a great day and thank you so much for getting to the end of this. Much love. Bye. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you got some good stuff out of this episode and you're ready to take the learnings and apply it to your own business. If you want to get in contact with me, send me a message through Instagram or send me an email, H on Instagram or rasheen at barbellbabesbrigade.com.au. Speak with you soon. Okay, bye.